0: get to welcome Lydia Rowe. Um, I've been thinking, like, f- for weeks since I knew that she was speaking about what I was going to say, and I was like, I, do you want this? I'll use that. Okay. Uh, I'm like, I know what I'm going to say. Um, so... This is so exciting, and God is so funny, and I love how he works, because I was just thinking about our relationship and how the Lord has, like, really circled things out in our lives Um, when we were both in high school, because we are similar age, and we're so young still, but we were, uh, our moms, we went to high school together, kind of, our moms, remember this, were in a mom's prayer group, praying for us, her and sons. our future husbands. And our future husbands. And, families. and our kid, you know, And our kids and stuff. I don't even know how old we for were. For years. Yeah, yeah, for years. And who knew that this would all circle around and that we would be in this moment this morning. And I just thought, I, what? God, you're still it's working ahead. It's such a proof of that. So um, anyways, I'm super excited to hear Lydia. She she leads girls Bible class um, at Troy Christian. And um My daughter has had her for the 7th and 8th grade, and it has been an absolute, like, gift and treasure. And I know that she's taught at uh, Chapels at Troy Christian, all kinds of other speaking things. And so, anyway, you're in for a real treat, and I'm excited. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Awesome. Well, hopefully she didn't build up your anticipation too high, because I really haven't done that much speaking, Um, but I am really excited to be here today, and to get to share this word. The Lord, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, Nicole had asked me to do the transition a couple weeks ago, which I had never done. It's kind of like that time, like at the end of worship, when someone comes up, and uh, kind of figures out what the Lord is saying, and I was like, I don't know if I can do that, And I was trying to just pray into it, should I do that, should I not, like, and I woke up one morning, and he just started downloading some things that he wanted to say, and I thought that it was for that transition piece, and so I was like, sure, Nicole, I'll do it, and then it turned out, anyways, it it turned out that it, that wasn't what it was for, it was actually some of the things that I'm going to be talking to you about today um, that he had a heart for, and, um. So, we've been in this series the last few weeks about worship, and that is something near and dear to my heart. Um, A couple weeks ago, Nicole talked about why we worship. Um, She talked about how worship is not just singing songs on Sundays, um, but that it's about our entire lives. What are we looking at? Um, Who or what are we adoring and revering? And she talked about how worship is ministry to the Lord. And, um, and then Aaron picked up there last week um, talking about how when we worship, we're building an altar to the Lord and how our desire is for this place to be an altar. For this place, for his glory and his presence. And that, you know, we're talking about worship, grow, go, and that the worship and his presence would be out of that is a birth of the growing and the going, (laughs) Um, just focusing all of our attention and devotion on the Lord. And I've just been getting so much out of it. Um, Today, I wanna focus specifically on authenticity and truth in worship. Um, And I just wanna start off by reading Romans, um, but I think I wanna pray first. Would you guys pray with me, (laughs) for me? I need it, thank you. Lord Jesus, God, we just we just dedicate this time to you. God, it's all for you. <laughs> we love you. We praise you, Lord. I just ask for open hearts. God, I ask that my heart would be open. Lord, we, we only want what you want. Thank you, Lord. Give us soft hearts to receive today. Thank you for letting us partner with you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm just gonna read this. Um, starting in uh, 1133 in Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracking out. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? And from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever, amen. Therefore, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is—His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And there is so much <laughs> in that in the in those few verses. And um, any time that I come across. In the word, something where it says, I, I'm gonna know God's will more. <laughs> I'm like, Yes, give it to me. There's so many verses like that are like, this is how you're gonna know God's will, and this is one of them. If you if you want to be able to test and approve what God's will is for your life, you you do these things. And I'm I'm actually planning on working kind of backwards, so I hope it's not confusing, but working backwards through this verse that I just read. Um And I'm gonna start with talking about the the renewing your mind piece because I think that that is necessary in order for you to be able to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Um, And then the piece right before that, why do we do it in the first place? Is because it's all for him. I love that part, and I'm going to touch on it a little bit later, but for from him and through him and to him are all things. I'm just like, it's all about him. It's, it's all for him. It's all from him. And so, um, I'm believing that God is wanting to do some internal work in each of us today. Um, just kind of some rewiring is the picture that I got. And, um, I think it's in order, part of the reason is that in order that when we come together corporately, because I'm kind of going to be taking, I'm going to be talking about like this corporate worship that we're doing, this thing where we come all in the same room and we're, we're singing songs. That's not all of worship, but that's part of it. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit. And I believe that he's wanting to rewire some of us um, so that when we do come to this place, we're bringing our most authentic and our truest self. And uh, truth. Um, that's a word that can mean different things to different people. Um, and so I think most of you all are probably familiar with the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. Um, if you aren't, I encourage you to go um, to John 4 and you can you can read it. But in this conversation, um, he's he's having this conversation with this woman, this Samaritan woman. There's so much there. I, I, I can't get into it. But She's basically, she's, she's asking him about worship. There, there's differences between what the Samaritans and what the Jews believe about what is the proper way to worship, where you should worship. And Jesus um, answers her later on in the conversation. He brings it back around to that question and this is what he says in John four twenty three through 24. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. And I want to draw your attention to a few things here. First, does it excite anyone else that God the father the creator of the universe the creator of each of us that he is seeking something that we can give him <laughs> i'm like oh my goodness he wants something he desires something and it's something i can give that it doesn't say that he seeks worship do you see that it says he seeks worshipers he seeks he's seeking us Desires us. Man, that gets me every time. And not only that, but also in these words Jesus spoke, we see that He's very particular. And, you know, if you read in the Old Testament about, like, um, the temple and how it's built and how He's worshiped, like, He's very particular about how He wants to be worshiped. He, he says His worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. He didn't say, um, you know, that they can or You know, it'd be nice if they would. He said, they must. I mean, you can't worship if you're not worshiping in spirit and in truth. So truth, I wanna talk about that for a minute. And um, you know, Nicole uh, mentioned that I teach uh, junior high girls Bible and I love the Bible. Does anyone else love the Bible? Oh my goodness, it's so good. Just the fact that he would write it down. I can't get, I can't, I can't go there. I love the Bible. You're gonna get a lot of the Bible today. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I teach Bible at Troy Christian to junior high girls, and we've been getting into um we've been reading this book and we've been getting into a lot of the differences between truth and lies, um, a lot of the common lies that we believe. And our culture is kind of obsessed right now with authenticity, which I actually love because I love authenticity. Um, but we're kind of obsessed with it, and just the idea of being real and being true to yourself, I feel like um, you know, the, this generation coming up, Gen Z and millennials, it's like they've got this fifth sense for like fake, like they don't want, they don't want the show, they, they want your real, the, the real thing, and I do too, so I do love that, but the problem is, is how we define truth, um, because if truth is defined by our feelings and our experiences, then truth can change, it's going to be different for each of us. Um, each of us experiences different things, feels different things, and so if truth is defined by those things, it's going to change, but Jesus didn't leave truth up for debate, you know? He says in John 14:6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So he, I mean, he's, he defines it right there, I am truth. You're seeking truth? Great, that's good. You can't find it outside of me, because I am truth, <laughs> And then Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so truth doesn't change. But the thing about when we are believing lies, we believe the lie (laughs) to be true, (laughs) right? Right? And so, if we are believing a lie in a certain area, then the truth is what's going to kind of feel off to us. It's not going to feel quite right. Um, and so, feelings, um, my goodness, I love feelings. They're incredible. I, I went through a season, and again, I can't talk about it right now, um, but I went through a season very short season, thank the Lord that I couldn't feel anything, um, not physically, but emotionally. It was like I was outside of myself, and it was about a month, and it was the worst, um, way worse than like the worst pain that I've been through, Um, because feelings are are important. They're God-given. They're beautiful. They're important. They're valid, but feelings are not our Lord. Um, Feelings are valid, but they're not always true. Um, So I've heard it say this way, feelings are excellent servants, but terrible masters. It's important to pay attention to our emotions, but not to let them rule us. And this doesn't have to do with like the value or worth of feelings and emotions, because they truly, they are valuable. Um, It's more about like the authority that they have in our lives. Um, So they're not worth anything less, but... Um, truth And Jesus didn't say, he, he had emotion. Um, he had lots of emotion. He, he feels things passionately. It says in the Bible that he wept when Lazarus died. He even knew what he was gonna do and he still allowed himself to feel. Um, but um, he didn't say, I am emotion. He said, I am truth. And so the reason that I bring this up in the context of worship is that we all come from different backgrounds right? I mean, every single one of us, different backgrounds, different ideas ingrained into our minds about what that word means when we think of worship. And today I want to focus on um, the part of worship that is when we we are coming together, right? I mentioned that. And I want to give us some common language and actions based on not our experiences and our feelings, but based on God's word. Um, So before we get there, though, I wanna talk to you just a little bit about your brains. Um, and this might seem like a bunny trail, but I'm asking you, <laughs> I promise I'm gonna bring it back, so I'm asking you to come along with me. And, and let's look at this for a minute. How many of you have heard um, of neural, neural pathways in your brains? Oh, awesome, it's not new, I love it. So basically, um, neural pathways are formed and created in our brains based on our habits and behaviors. Um, in this case, I'm going to be talking about like what we believe, um, but like it's also it's also like probably one of the easiest ways to to think of it is like muscle memory. So like if you're learning how to dribble, um, it might feel really really awkward at first. Um, and then and then you do it over and over and over and over, and then it doesn't feel so awkward. I remember when my son Marcus um, <clears throat> was learning how to play piano, and it took like a couple months for him even to learn how to like hold his hand correctly to be able to press the keys down. I remember in high school when I was, trying to learn guitar um, and I remember thinking I could never like this is so awkward it feels so, who who's learned guitar before anybody all my examples are gonna be musical but um, <clears throat> I'm like how am I gonna do this it feels so weird but then you do it over and over and over and then it becomes very natural and normal and it doesn't feel weird anymore Well, the same thing happens when we're believing things. So we grow up believing certain things. um, The things that we believe then are reinforced by repetition. And every time that that comes into our mind, we believe it. And then the things that don't line up with that belief feel kind of off. So, you know, some of the things we're believing are true. Some of the things we're believing are not true. And so if Jesus is um, the truth and the word of God is true, and we find that we're believing something other than what is in here, then it's, it's so important that we know that we're not stuck with that. We can create, of course, in partnership with the Holy Spirit, but even just the way that he made our brains, we can create a new neural pathway, a new way of thinking, a new normal that does line up. But at first, and that's what I want you to understand, at first it's not gonna feel right. I like to think of it as... Um, your brain being like a like a bunch of tall grass. and so neural pathways are kind of like the places that you've trampled down like well-worn paths, right? So if you're believing a lie, then the well-worn path, that's gonna be that lie is gonna be the easiest path for you to walk down. Um, the truth you're gonna have to work for. you're gonna meet some resistance as you're creating that new neural pathway. Um, but, The beautiful thing about it is that eventually, after time and repetition, and this, you know, three to six months, 10,000 repetitions is the norm for creating a new neural pathway. Some of you might have tried to change a behavior, to change an attitude, to change a belief, and you know, you stopped short because it was too too hard. You thought, I can't, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You just keep doing it. You just keep doing it over and over again. You keep believing. You keep believing the truth and the word of God over your own experience, over your own feelings. But it doesn't feel right. But it's hard, yes. But eventually, that's the, that is gonna be the well-worn path that is easy for you to walk down. And the other lie that you had believed before, it will have grown back up and it will be harder for you to go back down that road. So, I want to bring it back around and show you where this is in the Bible, um, back to that verse that we first read, and it's Romans 12:2. And it says, "Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Does that sound familiar? Do not conform any longer to the patterns of thinking that you've grown up with if they don't align with the word of God. You can create new ones and know that anytime that you're creating that path, it's gonna feel hard and it might seem inauthentic. So our culture right now, it values authenticity, vulnerability. I do too, I love it. I, I'm not against it, but... As usual, this concept of authenticity, it's been distorted and twisted so that we've often bought into this lie that your feelings have to line up with your actions in order for it to be authentic. Does that make sense? So lots of times we think if, we're, if we do something and we don't really feel like doing it, that's not authentic, um, especially in worship. The other day, we were having dinner um, with some folks from CrossFit Centered. Do we have any folks from CrossFit Centered here today? Usually, they're right back here. I feel like the closer you sit to this section, the more the pounds start falling off, and you start getting more fit. And <laughs> but we were having um, we were having dinner um, with a few folks from there um, the other day, and um, we started talking about. The gym, and we started talking about similarities between the gym and church, which I had never really seen a lot of crossover before. But there actually is a lot I could preach a whole another sermon on that. Um, but it got me thinking about this concept of authentic worship and how it's it's not based on feelings. So, like, you don't always feel like worshiping and praising, right? Do you, does anyone always feel like worshiping and praising? Um, but that. That doesn't mean that if you worship and praise, it's not authentic. You know, I wonder, sometimes I'm like, I was wondering when I was sitting there at the table thinking about, I was like, why? Why is it um, that like when it comes to a gym and we walk into a gym and um, we all of a sudden realize we we actually need to do this over and over and over again in order to see any change, (laughs) right? Um, You can't just like come in and sit down and watch other people doing it and expect anything to really change or happen to your, to your body. And so, um, and you don't always feel like doing it, but you also understand like there's, there's some value and worth that comes from um, aligning your body with your intention and your goals and just, you know, getting off your butt and just doing it anyways. And so um, that doesn't make it fake or inauthentic does it it's that's that's like we understand that when it comes to gym like that's determination like that's sacrifice for a purpose and the same thing comes in worship and so um if we approach corporate worship from this belief that we need to feel something before we engage in worship it's not going to help us grow or change any more than going into a gym and sitting on the side Hebrews 13:15 says,, um, "Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. What makes it a sacrifice? It has to cost something, right? But I don't really. I don't feel like playing. I don't feel like praying out loud. It feels awkward to say Jesus' name. I'm like Jesus. I'm like, oh, that's fake. (laughs) Um, You know, you feel you feel fake sometimes doing what the Bible says to do in worship if you don't feel like it. So um, let's go back to Romans 12. We're honing in here. Good. We're doing good on time. Romans 12 and verse 1. I said I was working backwards. so Going back to verse 1. It says, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And then it it says, this this is your spiritual act of worship. So this is all tying into worship. And it's not just about your mind or your spirit. Your body is also involved. Um, And this, you know, this has been new to me um, just this, this idea of offering your body as a sacrifice. Um, and of course that's not just talking about corporate worship. It's talking about your entire life, right? Uh, your body, what you do, what you, where you, who you talk to, where you go, all of those things. But it is talking also about corporate worship because you guys are all all here. (laughs) Your bodies are all in the room. Um, or if you're online, you're worshiping with us as well. So, um, what does it mean to offer your body as a living sacrifice in this corporate worship setting? I love that these two verses are back to back. The one about renewing your mind and the one about offering your body as a sacrifice. Because most of the time, worshiping in spirit and truth is going to require the renewing of your mind. New neural pathways created maybe feeling a little out of your comfort zone, <laughs> maybe feeling a little awkward until you've had those three to six months or those 10,000 repetitions. <laughs> um, so I love this, um, this verse in Psalm 103. It, David says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and let all that is within me praise his holy name. He commands his soul. He commands it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I love it. It's so beautiful. We we have command over, <laughs> over our bodies, over our souls. We can tell it to do things. Um, let me give you some practical examples of this. Does that sound good? So say that you grew up in church, in a church that, um, you know, worship was always super loud. Okay? I'm going to hit probably the whole gamma here, so... If I don't hit you the first round, I'll hit you the second. Um, so you grew up in a church where worship was always super loud, where it didn't really even feel like the Holy Spirit showed up unless a few people were running up and down the aisles, and um, you know that's that's where you met Jesus. That's where you that's where you felt His presence the most. And say you you come from that background and you walk into a room and people are all singing together. They're standing. N- nobody's running. Nobody's jumping. Nobody's yelling, and they're just standing and they're singing, and you might think, these people are bored, you know? Um, These people are just going through the motions. These people don't even know how to worship. You may think that because of your background, because of your experience. It reminds me um, of this story. I'm not going to have you turn there, but there's a story in Samuel of this priest, Eli, And um, there's this woman, Hannah, who comes into the temple, and she's kneeling down, and she's praying. She's just, she's, she's praying, and she's worshiping, she's asking the Lord, like, she's just pouring out her heart. Well, his, his background was, was when you pray, like, it's loud, and it's, and it's big, and so when he saw her just kneeling, and just, like, mumbling under her breath, he thought she was drunk. (laughs) And he, like, rebuked her, and then she, like, told him what she was doing, and he ended up blessing her, and all that, but um, but it's, you know, it, we, we come from a certain perspective and a certain background, and that's going to affect how we perceive what is going on. Um, <clears throat> let's look at the other side. So say that you grew up in a kind of a quiet, reverent expression, maybe even l- the, the liturgical church. And, um, you know, most of my life, I, I mean, I've been in a Methodist church, and it was maybe a little bit more on the... I don't know. It wasn't charismatic, but um, anyways, it was. But there was. It was mostly standing or standing and singing. There wasn't a lot of movement. There wasn't a lot of you know. And yet, um, and yet, it was worship. And so, if you come from that background, this quiet, reverent expression, when the moments that you felt closest to God have been just bowing your head and just listening, you know, just praying, just singing. Um, then you might come into a space where people are outwardly expressing their worship, and you might think they're just doing that for attention. God's not interested in the outward appearance, he's interested in the inward. We'll even use the Bible to defend our <laughs> right, you know, or they're faking it. um so opposite ends of the spectrum, both having experienced authentic worship, and yet using your feelings and your experience to influence your view of what worship is. And so who's right? You know, which, which is true. Like, <laughs> well, the, the truth is it's all in the Bible. It's all there. And we, we want to experience the whole gamma. Um, but we don't go by our experiences. We go by the word of God. So that's what I'm going to do just um, in the next few moments and just rapid fire a few verses. All right. So here's, Some of, certainly not comprehensive, but here's some of the things that you're gonna find in God's word in regards to worship. So you might not feel like shouting. Well, Psalm 66 says, shout with joy to the Lord. You might not feel like raising your hands. First Timothy 2.8 says, I want everyone everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. You feel uncomfortable bowing or singing or clapping. You know, Psalm 95 says, oh come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. And Psalm 47 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hmm. Let me pick on the other side. You might feel like you constantly have to be moving, jumping, outwardly expressing. Exodus 14, 14. Nicole actually mentioned this last week. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Psalm 4610, be still and know that I'm God. I like, I'm gonna tag on the rest of it because it says I will be exalted among the nations. Did you know that being still and knowing that he's exalted among the nations when you do that? You don't have to, you don't even have to go say anything. It's just you being still and knowing that he's God exalts him in the nations. Lamentations 3.26 says, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And Jesus himself often withdrew to a quiet place. There's, you see, it's all in there. It's all in there. We worship in so many different ways and it's not based on our personality or what we like or what we experience, uh, what we want to do. It's based on what is he asking of us? What is he asking of us? Our feelings are not our Lord. Our bodies are not our Lord. Our experiences are not our Lord. There's one Lord, and it's Jesus Christ, and at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, right? We, we have a choice right now. There's one day we won't have a choice. We will all be bowing, it says. But we have a choice now. And... Um, going to have the band come on up. I've got a few more things to say, but you guys can work your way up and just kind of sneak under. You know, when I think about worship and particularly, you know, there's, this is not, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to the desire of my heart as a worship leader. I do not want this to be a platform or a pedestal <laughs> It's not like a show. It's not like, a, like some people are trying to entertain other people. It's, it's an altar. It's an altar. We are all corporately coming together for one purpose, right? One purpose, to lift him up, to honor him, to glorify him. It's all about him. Romans eleven thirty six. we said it at the beginning, from him, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. So he will be praised. And I'm just declaring that today in this house, he will be praised. He will, we, this, this is his house. It's all for him. It's all for his glory. And that's going to look different. Many, many different Sundays, different people, it's going to look different. Sometimes it is going to look like raising your hand and jumping and getting excited. Sometimes it's going to sound like yelling. Sometimes it's going to be on the floor, snotty and messy. And it's, that's, that's, that's worship. Your bodies as a living sacrifice. And how who determines when when is what what's appropriate for what moment and ultimately it's the Lord. It's it's Jesus. He is the director. He is the commander in chief. He's the one saying, do this, do that, and so you have to know him. You have to be tuned in with him. So good. Okay. I do want to say just one more thing. We're going, to have, we're going to have some time to kind of apply the things that I've been speaking about. And we're going to have some time to worship. And my challenge would be for you to, to tune in to Jesus. To ask him, what would you have me do? how would you stretch me today, Lord? That my body is a sacrifice. I'm not going to do what I'm comfortable doing. I'm not going to just do something because that's what I always do. What do you, What would you have me do, Lord? What would you have me do in this moment? What What do you want from me? But I want to talk just a really small minute <laughs> about this corporate worship expression and how maybe it differs from when you worship at home, when you're worshiping in your car. And that's the fact that we need to be aware of each other when we're in this room, right? This isn't our personal prayer closets. Philippians two four says, let each of you not look only to your own interests, only to your own things that you like to do, but also to the interests of others. And our worship, I'm hoping for all of us will somehow, some at some point be expressing all of these things that we've talked about. Um, because, why? Because it's in his word. But um, let's not just do just what we feel like doing, right? Let's not just do something because that's what we've, uh, that's always been our go-to. That's just, that's how we worship. That's how we feel his presence. Let's, Let's ask Him, let's invite Him in. Let's look at Him, let's fix our eyes on Him and let's do what He's asking us to do. And so let's go ahead and close our eyes. Thank you, Jesus. You know, for some of you, Sometimes your most extravagant form of worship in a corporate setting might be sacrificing that outward expression that you, <laughs> that you love in order to love the people around you. And on the flip side, it might scare you to death to think about doing something that maybe would draw attention to yourself and, and yet the Lord's asking you to do it. <laughs> So I think it just boils down to, are you going to obey? In either of those circumstances, are you going to obey? Are you going to tune in and ask Him and are you going to obey? Because worship is about obedience too. It's about sacrifice, it's about obedience. So just close your eyes and, Lord, what are you asking from me in this moment? What are you asking, Lord? How can I bring you a sacrifice of praise? What is the posture that you want me in, even in my physical body? God, I know that there's no, nothing magical about bowing or groaning or lifting your hands or dancing. None of them makes us any more spiritual or any closer to God, but there is something that happens when we act in obedience. So God, have your way. your way, Lord. I just give you guys permission, like I said, we're gonna, just the next 10 minutes or so, we're gonna worship. And you have full permission to get up and move. You know, the other day, uh, we've been in this 28 days of prayer, uh, of uh, worship. And the other day I was here and Anna was on the keys and she was leaving this amazing devotional set and I was over here and I felt the Lord say go over and lay down on the floor and I'm like there was only a handful of people there so it wasn't like I felt like but I was like that's so weird I, it's, that's so weird God why, why would I do that and not that I mean some of you might do that all the time and it's not weird to you but for me it was weird and yet I, I heard him so clearly so I went and I laid down on the floor and it was in that moment that he started showing me what he was doing in the room. I could see him going from person to person and ministering to them. We had been worshiping him for the past, whatever, 45 minutes. And in that last 15 minutes, he, sh- he shows up and he starts ministering to us. And I saw it and I don't know that I would have seen it if I didn't obey. So have your way, Lord. Have your way, Lord. Show us the posture that you desire us to take. Give us the boldness and courage to obey you. Let our hearts be holy ground for you, Lord. Resting places for your presence, Lord. Let our hearts be holy ground for you, Lord. Okay, thank you, Jesus. We're gonna wait, we're gonna wait for a while.